It's the Pete Callender Show. With more than 20 years as a reporter and radio host in North Carolina, Pete Callender is helping solve the world's problems one podcast at a time. Because he's a giver. And now, here's Pete. What is going on? Welcome to the show. Glad you're here. Thanks so much for making me a part of your day, making the podcast a part of your day. I do appreciate it. I appreciate patrons to the program like Marlene, Jenny and Sean, Rhonda, Susan, Mike, Linda Grace, Lisbeth, JF, Leslie, Jim, Lisa, WC. They all became patrons, and I thank them for that. Uh, Also, yes, if you hear hammering, they're still hammering (laughs) outside. Yep, there was some right there. Um, yeah, so they're putting up the uh, the siding on the house right outside the window. I do apologize. I will try to keep it to a minimum, if at all possible, in post-production editing. But I try not to do any post-production editing. And as I say that, uh, I'm sure there are a bunch of people that are like, oh, that explains all of the mess-ups. <laughs> yeah, well, pretty much. <clears throat> I don't go back and make edits. I just do it live. I call it, you know, we call it live to tape, even though it's not tape. But we do it live just because it gives you the kind of energy that a live radio show should have, in my opinion. Okay, so um, as many as two out of every five Americans who have died from COVID had diabetes. So that makes the chronic disease one of the highest risk conditions during the pandemic. Two out of every five. So 40% of the deaths, 40% of deaths from COVID-19 in America were among diabetics, a statistic that should prompt people with the ailment to get vaccinated, according to Dr. Robert Gabay, 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 Gabay. I think that's how he pronounces it. Anyway, he is the chief scientific and medical officer for the American Diabetes Association. He says, quote, I can't say this strongly enough. If you have diabetes, get vaccinated. Speak to your health care provider. Discuss your concerns. Um, he goes on to say, with the risk of hospitalization and death related to COVID-19 six to 12 times higher in people with diabetes, it is time to get vaccinated The uh, death statistic came from a study that was presented at the ADA's online annual meeting that diabetes was implicated in, you know, 40 percent of covid deaths. They say is particularly staggering if you consider that only 10 percent of the U.S. population actually has diabetes. The study was conducted by scientists at uh, where is it here? University of Texas at El Paso. And it found that one in 10 people with diabetes hospitalized with COVID-19 die within one week. People with poorly managed diabetes are at particular risk. And uh, they also note here that the price of insulin in the U.S. skyrocketed during the pandemic, despite 2021 being the 100th anniversary of the discovery of the life-saving hormone treatment. Out in California last week, officials there said that Um, unmasked students would be barred from campuses. And then a couple hours later, they they rescinded that rule. (laughs) But they kept in place a mask mandate for all K-12 schools. Then, a little while after that, the governor revised that rule and said, oh, it's going to be up to school officials to decide how to deal with students who refuse to wear masks. The statewide policy, according to sfgate.com, 
the statewide policy that prohibited unmasked students from campus had been intended to provide helpful clarity for local educators as they work to provide a safe environment for staff and students. Even with mask enforcement left to schools, though, the state's COVID-19 safeguards rank among the most stringent in the nation. North Carolina is not too far behind, I would add. California health and education officials are acutely concerned with cases of the Delta variant. on the rise as the new academic year approaches i did see a video this morning as a matter of fact and uh let me see here i should probably give credit where it is due i believe his name was andrew horn i want to say he had a video well he re i should say he uh retweeted a video that i believe was shot by the news and observer because it was just kind of like raw footage it wasn't like a produced package and um it shows North Carolina National Guard walking around with health officials from Johnston County um, and, and I guess the North Carolina Public Health Department. They teamed up with the National Guard that was in uniform going door to door to give vaccines. And it looked like they targeted uh, a, uh, a black neighborhood. So remember... Stephen Horn, sorry, Stephen Horn is his name who retweeted this. And you know, remember that the initial idea here to send uh, people door to door to uh, try to break down some of the vaccine hesitancy, right? This was met with uh, criticism, mainly from the right, talking about how dare you send federal agents to go knock on people's doors to ask them about their vaccination status and trying to get people vaccinated in some door-to-door federal campaign or whatever. And the feds were like, we're not doing anything like that. Give me a break. That's crazy talk. You guys are so over the top, uh, paranoid much. Really, guys, like we're not going to send federal agents out to your door. Come on. No, we're going to get your your preacher. (laughs) We're going to get your neighbor. We're going to get trusted members of your community to go door to door and convince you to get the vaccines. Full disclosure, I am vaccinated. My wife is vaccinated. And I really don't care at this point. If you are not, that's your choice. I just, I'm, I'm tired of hearing about it. I'm tired of hearing, like, seriously, like at some point, you know, you have all of the same information available to you as I do. As a, and we all right, we we all have the same information available. And if people are making this decision that they don't want the vaccine for whatever reason that they come up with, I I don't care. I like I'm tired of this being like the focus of all of this coverage. Like we got to get these people vaccinated. We got to get them vaccinated. Like no, we don't. Because if we don't, they they're going to get sick and they're going to die. Like, seriously, like if that's if the vaccines are preventing me from dying at some point, like you've made your decision if you don't want it. And if that means you die, that was your choice. And in, in, in me getting the vaccine, if that means that I suffer some, uh, you know, lasting side effects or I get, you know, heart inflammation or something like that. Well, then that's what I have to deal with. Right. Like, but you're not going to be called upon to do things for me. Right. I mean, we're not going to be bombarded with this messaging like that. The unvaccinated people really need to, you know, go and talk with their vaccinated friends and stuff. I'm just I'm kind of fed up with it by now because I believe the vaccines do work. 
I understand the risks. I understand this is, you know, not FDA approved. I don't really care about that. Um, I, I don't because I take supplements. They're not FDA approved. I don't rely on the government to tell me that this is safe for me to take. Does that, in, uh, does that have some inherent risk? Absolutely. It does. Sure. Any, yeah, uh, it, it's, it is quote untested, right? This is the trial. We are all doing the trial. We're participating in the, in the trial of these vaccines. And I have volunteered to do that. You shouldn't shame me for that. In fact, maybe, I don't know, a thank you, <laughs> right? Because if this works at some point down the road and everybody's like, okay, now we know this all works. It's all safe as safe can be. And uh, everybody's going to go get it now. You know, it's a year or two down the road and it'll be because of people like me that, you know, that we volunteered to do this, to take this experimental non-FDA approved drug. So, uh, or vaccine. So anyway, like, again, I, I don't care. You you make your decision, get it or don't. And uh, I'm not going to hassle you over your decision and people shouldn't hassle me over mine. That's all. So um, this idea, though, that they're going door to door that people were concerned about now actually is occurring. <laughs> and so I, I have objections to this. So, again, all that being said about your choice on the vaccine, I would stand with the people who don't want the vaccine like I stand with you against this kind of activity because this is slippery slope. Slippery slope, just like we said when they banned Alex Jones from the uh, from the social media platforms, like slippery slope, guys. And we're like, oh, that's Alex Jones. He's terrible. I agree. He's terrible. I'm not worried about like the public square not being as uh, full without his presence. I'm concerned about him being the example that others then use to justify more eliminations from the public square, which we are now seeing. Now, if you are uh, seeing some problems around the house and you want to tackle the project, but you're like, I don't have the right tool for this project, well, then head on over to General Equipment Rental. General Equipment Rental, generalrents.com, that's the website, General Equipment Rental. Uh, they've got all of the tools that you need for rent to get your projects done correctly and quickly. Whether it's a really big project, you're going to be moving a bunch of you know, rocks and dirt and stuff, whether you're taking down a bunch of trees, right? If you're going to be tilling up some land, whatever the project is, they can help you, okay? Also, they are your official Husqvarna and Honda outdoor power equipment sales and service provider, which, by the way, I used my Husqvarna weed eater over the weekend. It was glorious. <laughs> it was fantastic. I got it from General Equipment Rental, their big sale a couple of months ago, knowing I was going to be in the house. And I was like, got to have a weed eater. So got a weed eater, Husqvarna. It's so cool. It's a battery operated one, battery power, I should say. They do have the gas versions too. They have gas and battery powered equipment for all your needs. But I got the, the battery one and one battery. I did the entire yard, every, all of it, around, edged everything. And it still didn't go below the three bars. It was still like almost full the whole time. That's fantastic. The technology is amazing. Go check it out at General Equipment Rental in Weaverville. They're at the intersection of Merriman Avenue and Reams Creek Road, family owned and operated for three generations. Generalrents.com and think outside your toolbox. So Stephen Horn on his uh, Twitter account, he says, remember, compare um, what we're seeing with these National Guard uh, troops walking around with the health officials going door to door 
Compare this to the recent fact-checking by the Associated Press, citing claims from Jen Psaki, the White House press secretary, that it was, quote, grassroots volunteers and members of the clergy going door-to-door. And here is what the, uh, the AP fact-checkers said at the time. They said White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki countered some of the false claims in a press conference. This is grassroots volunteers. This is members of the clergy. These are volunteers who believe that people across the country, especially in low vaccinated areas, should have accurate information, should have information about where they can get vaccinated, where they can save their own lives and their neighbors' lives and their family members' lives. An example of this approach is playing out in North Carolina, where local teams are going door to door to help people get vaccinated. I don't have a problem, by the way, with um, information campaigns and that sort of thing. You want to go around to people's uh, you know, doors, go knock on doors, say, hey, get vaccinated, whatever. And you want to be like, you know, it's like nonprofit work or whatever. That is a different thing than using National Guardsmen and women to accompany health department people and going door to door to give the vaccination shot right there. Do you think there might be a level of intimidation involved there, right? Like a soldier uniform or a uniform soldier comes up to the door with somebody with a mask saying, I'm from the health department. Do you want your COVID shot? Like, I don't know. Is it just me? Who's ta- who's anybody shows up at my door wanting to jab me with a needle filled with something like I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I don't know. That's just me. Right. But then again, I don't really answer the door for anybody trying to give me anything. So uh, I think I'd be OK on that. Uh, last Friday, meanwhile, updated federal CDC guidelines recommended masking in schools for individuals who are not fully vaccinated for COVID-19, meaning kids. That means the people who are fully vaccinated would not need to wear masks in schools. But no elementary school kids under the age of 12 have gotten the vaccinations because they're not Uh, cleared to do so. North Carolina guidelines still require masks in schools, but that could change, according to the Charlotte Observer piece by Yuen Liu, Yuen Liu, and T. Kyung Hui. Those are the two reporters. And um, North Carolina guidelines still require masks, But Governor Cooper said his staff is reviewing the new CDC guidelines and will be making recommendations for schools soon. Hasn't happened yet. But he said he doesn't have a timeline for issuing that new guideline. No timeline. Now, the emergency declaration that we're still under lasts through the end of July. So still another, what, 11 days or so, 12 days. Now, previously, the CDC guidance made no distinction over mask wearing between vaccinated or unvaccinated people in schools. The new language removed the recommended precautionary measures for vaccinated people. Okay, so before it was um, everybody's got to wear a mask in schools, vaccinated or unvaccinated. And then that prompted a lot of people to say, well, then what's the point of getting the vaccine? That's just stupid. And so then they changed it (laughs) to say, okay, if you're vaccinated, I guess you don't need to wear the mask. Cooper has cited CDC guidelines to justify universal face covering requirements at all K-12 public and private schools, while the mandate was lifted in most other settings as vaccination rates increased. The mandate was extended to the end of July. Um, Later on in the story here, it talks about a couple of school districts, like, for example, Rowan... Salisbury School Board 
uh, they voted five to two for making face coverings optional in schools. Now, that could expose them to some litigation or something or some legal ramifications. Nobody's really sure. Students and staff are not required to show vaccination cards on any of that. So it's just an honor system. So if you say I got vaccinated, that's going to suffice. During the meeting, attorney Ken Sue warned the board. This is Rowan Salisbury, um, Rowan County and Salisbury, the, the town, uh, warned the board that this motion could violate North Carolina public health or the uh, state's public health toolkit that was issued by the Department of Health and Human Services. And that toolkit requires all schools make face covering mandatory for staff and students in K-12. Liability, however, is, quote, very unlikely, he said. Cooper's executive order requires public schools to follow the toolkit, and that expires at the end of the month, uh, July 30th. Other school districts and private schools in the state have recently announced optional mask-wearing policy so what's happening is you're you're getting people that are now starting to defy the governor's orders. He's losing the consent of the governed, which is what our system of government requires. The consent of the governed. That's the contract, the compact, right? That's the deal. Like, I consent to be governed by you, and you consent to follow these rules and not subjugate me. That's at heart the deal with our entire system of government. Okay. Um, and now you've got local jurisdictions and local citizens at, in various uh, governments uh, that are saying, we are not going to follow your rules any longer that are coming down from the state, which is a rejection of the contract because they feel like you are now subjugating them, right? Uh, among the schools that have gone this way, Thales Academy, I think, or th yeah, T-H-A-L-E-S, I never remember how to pronounce that Thales Academy, I think is it, which operates private schools across the state. They announced that it would make face masks optional. And Harnett County School uh, District, their board lifted the mask mandate for its summer school program. North Carolina is one of 10 states that still require masks in schools, according to the News and Observer. Eight states, including South Carolina, banned local school districts from requiring face coverings. And the legislature has been trying to run a bill called the Free the Smiles Act. We've talked about that uh, in a previous podcast. Uh, that did pass the House. It is now sitting in the Senate. Um, they're trying to work out some sort of a compromise bill on that front. Now, you do not need to compromise on price uh, versus quality when it comes to your mattress. You just go to Mattress Man, and you will get great quality mattresses like the best and you're going to get awesome deals on it and check out their financing options tons of flexible financing options are available uh obviously the best deal is the synchrony finance deal zero down zero interest for up to 72 months for qualified applicants but don't worry if you've got less than stellar credit it's okay um you can go to the website click the financing link in the privacy of your own home right you can then see what you would qualify for before you ever go to the store. You can also check out their inventory. They've got all sorts of beds, all kinds of beds. They've got the traditional inner spring mattresses. They've got pocketed spring mattresses, memory foam, pillow top, natural latex, hand tufted, two-sided, hotel foam, adjustable bases. Like, they've got the best stuff. They've got the Biltmore Collection. They're an exclusive retailer of the Biltmore Collection 
made by Restonic, uh, which means you get the maximum adjustability, you get the five support zones, um, and what that means for you is a more restorative sleep, a healthier sleep, and what that means is uh, you're going to live longer. So, like, I'm, I'm kind of, like, indirectly saving your life. I mean, you're welcome for that. Okay, well, actually, Mattress Man is. But uh, they're giving you the mattress, right? I'm just telling you about it. Go to mattressmanstores.com, click the financing link, get pre-approved. You will get five-star local delivery service, nationwide shipping, 120-day comfort guarantee. Experience the difference at Mattress Man, locally owned and operated, four stores in Asheville, Hendersonville, and Arden. Mattressmanstores.com, buy local and sleep better. So the Cooper administration, very quietly, has launched its own state-certified vaccine information card. Don't call it a passport. (laughs) But it kind of totally is. What did I say when all of this first started? I said they're building the backbone. That's what they're doing. The uh, Health and Human Services Department, North Carolina, under the Cooper administration, they're building the backbone, the system. You can't get that system up and running at a private level, like for businesses and stuff. You can't get that kind of a system up and running unless you have the government create the foundation, create this backbone. And that's what they did. And I said at the time, like their denials that they were creating a vaccine passport were lies. They're not creating the passport per se, like an actual document that like you got to walk around with and show. They're just creating the entire system that the passports require. That's it. So it's a lie. It was a it was a disingenuous dodge. It's it's dishonesty. And so they knew what they were doing. They created this system, this because it's a database, right? I'm in it. I got the vaccine. I knew I was going to be in the database. And then they're like, oh, but we're going to give like some random person a million dollars part of a, a vaccine lottery. Well, how'd you get my name for that? Oh, you have a database. That's how they know how many people have been vaccinated. They know who's got the shots. They know all of this, right? So they have this database and then they're like, well, we want to be able to let people know if they want their own information. You know, Pete, you got the vaccine. And if you want to be able to, you know, check on that status for some reason, you should be able to access your own information. Why would I need to access that? Why would I need to know whether I got the shot? Why would I need confirmation that I got the shot? unless of course I'm trying to prove it to somebody else right so it was it was dishonest of them of the Cooper administration at the beginning and I said so at the time and now here we are they are creating a vaccine information card not a passport just an information card it'll have all of the same information on it that a passport has but it is not a passport it's totally different even though it's the same what exactly could this mean for North Carolinians writes Jeff Moore at Carolina Journal both vaccinated and non-vaccinated. This is another good point. The only person I see regularly raising this question is John Sanders (laughs) at the John Locke Foundation. I mean, aside from me, like nobody's really, people in the media don't ask this question. What about everybody that got COVID? What about them? They have immunity. Where do, do they get to walk around saying I'm vaccinated? Essentially, they're actually better vaccinated because they had the disease. They actually recovered their their um, uh, vaccination, their immunity is like 100%. It's better than ours. Mine's only like 96 or something or 98, whatever it is. I had the Pfizer. I think it's the better one um, than the Moderna one, but only by like a percentage point. Um, 
What exactly could this mean, says Jeff Moore at Carolina Journal. The North Carolina vaccine passport is not mandatory yet. Neither of those, um, neither are those rather of New York or California, right? They have created these passports and they're not required of every resident yet. But critics worry that may amount to a distinction without a difference. And that's exactly correct. It's a distinction without a difference. When Governor Cooper's administration creates this database and then offers up the information card, why does he do that? Because he knows that other entities, organizations, private businesses, colleges, whatever, they're going to make it mandatory. See, so he's not making it mandatory. He's just giving those entities the ability to make it mandatory. That's what's happening. The frequently asked questions section of the North Carolina vaccine passport page addresses several iterations of the question. Am I required to show proof of vaccination for fill in the blank? And the answer consistently is yes, as long as they are not state entities. Employers, businesses or universities can require proof of a COVID-19 vaccine or a valid medical or religious exemption. He goes on to say, indeed, private institutions like Elon and Duke universities are already requiring students to present proof of vaccination to register for classes, as are many other private schools in the state. But the state's public health university system necessarily will not require proof for students to remain in good standing. Will that distinction last? And what about K through 12 schools? He then goes on to cite the Rowan Salisbury School Board vote to remove the mask mandates. And he says it's unclear why a requirement is mentioned in the News and Observer coverage of that story when they say, quote, under the plan, students and staff are not required to show vaccination cards while they can choose whether to wear masks at schools. And he says, why would you even mention such a requirement? Under the age of 12, nobody's eligible for a vaccine. So Jeff Morse, I think he's... I think what he is sniffing out here is a consensus push to make these things mandatory. Because, look, media drives a lot of this. The media coverage drives so much of the COVID response because, and I've gone over this so many times over the last year, that, you know, there is um, a tendency for people on the left to have a a much more... uh, well, a less grounded in reality risk assessment, okay? Right? They think the risk of getting and dying from COVID is is way higher than it actually is. And people in the media tend to be of the left. Cooper administration is of the left. And so when these people are all talking to each other in this loop, right? It's just, it's the same feedback going around and around and around. And you don't ever get new information in there. You don't have people like a John Sanders or a me that stands up and says, hey, um, what about the unvaccinated people, right? What about them? Don't they have immunity here? Why Why are we adding them into our statistical pool when we're talking about the total number of people who are protected from getting COVID? Right? Why wouldn't you include them? Well, they don't hear any of those voices. Everything they hear is of the left. And so now you've got media that you know is, is contributing to this constant uh, feedback loop. And when you see the News and Observer make a comment like this, it trips a trigger. A warning bell goes off, right? You're like, wait a minute. What are you saying here? What's that about? Because if you're thinking this in the media then chances are somebody in the administration is too.
right? And if they're not, well, they probably are now, right? Now, if you've been thinking about getting some real U.S. military surplus, then head on over to Old Grouch's military surplus in downtown Clyde for more than three decades. It's across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. It is just off exit 27 off I-40. You can easily drop on in, grab yourself some supplies. He's got tons of stuff like, you know, MREs and backpacks and ammo cans and ponchos. He's got tons of clothing, all sorts. Um, And uh, he's also got the first responder kit, more than 350 components inside each kit. And it'll handle all kinds of medical events from a minor scrape to a major cut or a broken bone. These kits are made in North Carolina. They're in a durable, bright orange bag. They got reflector strips on them easily identifiable so if you own a small business you got to have one of these to take care of you know something that happens god forbid uh you know your customer or an employee um also if you you know like associated with like a scout group or sports team school groups church groups great kits to have head on over to old grouch's military surplus downtown clyde and 24 7 at oldgrouch.com Back to the story here at the Carolina Journal. The COVID-infected and recovered population is similarly absent in Cooper's continued push for higher vaccination rates. According to North Carolina's COVID dashboard, uh, more than half of North Carolinians 12 and older have received both vaccination doses. This includes nearly 85% of the people uh, in the state who are older than 65. That is the most vulnerable de- uh, demographic. But despite the introdu- introduction of a cash lottery to incentivize more people to get vaccinated, rates in the state have plateaued. Similar trends are apparent around the country, prompting those in national media to probe federal officials about whether they support local vaccine mandates. So again, Always be on guard when you start to see these kinds of stories getting churned out by media like, oh, what can we do? What should be done? Are you going to do this? Are you going to do this? And they just start pelting these officials with these leading questions, planting the seeds in their, uh, you know, in their questions, planting the seeds for these actions to occur. So we'll keep an eye on that. Over in Wake County, the sheriff, Gerald Baker, did a news conference on a Sunday evening last night. Why? To address rumors that he was on his way out and he was under investigation, federal investigation. And um, there was some sort of a sealed indictment involving his office. The rumors pertain to how federal dollars were spent by his office. WRAL says it has not been able to substantiate the rumors, but... Wake County Sheriff Gerald Baker said, quote, there is no investigation that I know of. There's no federal investigation. There's no pending indictments that I know of concerning any monies or forfeitures. So this is the asset forfeiture money. Um, Baker said he believes that the rumors are politically motivated. <gasps> no. And being spread by people who are still upset that he won the 2018 election for county sheriff. Quote, I've been dealing with this kind of stuff since the day I was elected. He said he first learned of the rumors last week. He says that was uh, WRAL. This is now News and Observers uh, reporting on it. Baker was joined at his uh, press conference by his chief legal advisor, J. Rick Brown, who said there had been no subpoenas issued to anybody in the administration. Quote, we received no subpoenas for records, have had no contact with the U.S. attorney. We've had no contact from legal, which would normally be the course of something going on. 
He also said there was a rumor that Baker had cleared out his office, which was used for the Sunday news conference, and the office did not appear to have been cleared out, (laughs) said the report. (laughs) So, yeah, we're looking around, and it doesn't look like he's cleared it out. Baker said he spent Saturday night wondering whether he should address the rumors or not. He said he was worried that his silence could damage the reputation of the office. I kind of agree with him on that. If it is just a rumor, you want to go out and get ahead of that sort of thing. I don't know about doing it on a Sunday night, but <clears throat> he did. It, it's it's odd that he did on a Sunday night. Um, he says, I don't know what all is out there, but it doesn't matter because none of it's true. Baker became sheriff in 2018, part of a wave of newly elected African-American sheriffs, Democrat, black Democrat sheriffs that were elected in North Carolina's largest cities and is up for reelection next year in 2022. It's a four year term. He said the sheriff's office has been fiscally sound under his leadership, which he said was not always the case in the past. He suggested that the rumors might be politically motivated, as I mentioned. Um, Yeah. So Gerald Baker was one of several black Democratic candidates that won sheriff's races. Mecklenburg County also had one. Buncombe County had one. um, And they were put up by George Soros money. Like that's, that was the wave. (laughs) This was the organization. Like the, the people on the left that are oh so worried about an astroturfed, you know, not really legitimate grassroots organization, like, you know, with the anti critical race theory stuff. uh, They're totally fine with, you know, the Soros money pouring in to elect sheriffs for some reason. Why would they focus on those races? Oh, gosh, it's just a mystery. Just a mystery. Um, Now, if getting your household is a mystery to you, as it is for most people, uh, then what you need to do is call my friend Rowena Patton, and she'll get your house sold quickly and for more money. This is what she does. Her number is 828-333-4483. That's 333-4483. The website, mountainhomehunt.com. She outsells 99% of the realtors in the state of North Carolina, and she's the only agent that Christy and I used uh, to buy our house. And uh, you should as well, buying or selling. If you're selling, she's got buyers lined up. And if you are buying, she has homes in all price points. So uh, check her out, mountainhomehunt.com, or give her a call, 828-333-4483, and start packing. All right, so let me shift gears here again. This is the Washington Examiner story. Headline, Arizona Senate President says 2020 election audits ballot count differs from Maricopa tally. Yes, totally. I don't even need to read anymore, right? Everybody's biases have been confirmed. Uh, Yeah. So let's get into this. This is the audit out of Arizona. Ballots counted in the Arizona Senate's audit differ from the tally by Maricopa County officials. That's what Senate President Karen Fan said in an interview the other day, in which she also noted that the discrepancy prompted the state legislature to acquire new machines, not Dominion's machines, separate ones to recount the ballots, she said. President Joe Biden won Arizona by more than 10,000 votes out of more than 3.3 million cast across the state. His lead of roughly two percentage points was due partly to his advantage in Maricopa County, where the Democrats scored nearly 45,000 more votes than former President Donald Trump did. 
Trump and his his allies claim the 2020 contest was stolen, even though election officials have denied seeing evidence of widespread fraud and have heralded the Maricopa County audit as a means to undergird their allegations after courts around the country rejected lawsuits challenging the results. The remaining count of ballots in Maricopa County will not be a recount of the election contests. A hand recount of votes in the presidential and U.S. Senate races, all won by Democrats, has already been completed, and officials involved in the audit have predicted a report will be released later in the summer. Now, Maricopa County officials who opposed this audit in court until the judge ruled that the subpoenas were legal and they were enforceable uh, previously authorized two election machine audits. These are the Maricopa County people. They did two election machine audits that they say found no irregularities in the 2020 election. Um, There was also a recount of a sample of ballots, and that recount of the sample did not turn up any problems either. Jack Sellers is the Republican chairman of Maricopa County's Board of Supervisors, and he told uh, the local paper, the Arizona Mirror, in a statement that he was not surprised that the Senate's woefully underqualified audit team came up with a different ballot tally than the, quote, experienced professionals in his county's elections department. Okay, so the headline that says they have arrived at a different ballot count, right, the auditors here that that were brought in by the Arizona Senate, uh, with cyber ninjas, I think is what they're called, They have a different ballot count. And the elections people say, well, of course they do. They don't know what they're doing. (laughs) So that's one explanation. Of course, the other explanation will be, aha, see, voter fraud. That's what I mean. Everybody's biases, everyone's previously held positions remain intact. Uh, As for the machines, Maricopa County officials announced last month that their voting machines subpoenaed for this audit would now be removed from service after the Secretary of State, a Democrat, Katie Hobbs, threatened to decertify the equipment, citing concerns with the methods of the cyber ninjas. All right, so that's sort of your your overview. It's from the Washington Examiner story on this. Uh, This is... mm, uh, Oh, nuts. I don't have the... Well, that's embarrassing. I have Kaylin Deese the breaking news reporter. This might also be the Washington Examiner. I think it might be. Um, So we'll just go with that. Um, So more information, though. The Republican-led Arizona Senate, they then held a hearing, this was on Thursday, in which witnesses involved with the audit stressed the need for additional materials or else they risk presenting an incomplete review. Members of the auditing team include Cyber Ninjas and another group called Cypher, C-Y-F-I-R. And uh, they said they need wireless routers and voting machine tokens to finish their work, access that the county has so far denied. They also requested a door-to-door canvas, which previously drew a warning from the U.S. Justice Department that it could violate federal law, barring voter intimidation. So we're going to go to their door, which I understand the argument here. I I really do. I understand why you would go door to door and ask, hey, is this your ballot? Did you send a ballot in? Did you vote this way? Like, can we get a look at your signature or something like that? I don't know what they're going to ask. But 
to in order to confirm that this person did in fact cast a ballot. The best way to do that is to go knock on the door, but it also raises the same sort of questions that I've got with the vaccination thing going door to door, right? Somebody shows up at my door and they're like, hi, uh, I'm from Cyber Ninjas and I am conducting an audit of the election and I would like to know, uh, did you vote, how you voted, uh, what method you voted? Like, uh, yeah, no, you can pound sand. It's a it's a secret ballot. You don't need to know anything about whatever information they got the Board of Elections. That's where I went. I voted. You can pull that info. Um, so this raises this question um, about uh, whether it uh, violates federal law about voter intimidation. Doug Logan is the CEO of Cyber Ninjas, and he says if we don't get access to this stuff and we are not allowed to go door to door, it'll be an incomplete report. It'll be an incomplete audit. And that's what the findings will reflect, he said. Cypher, that company, its founder, Ben Cotton, um, he says they have to have the routers uh, because it would help clarify specific vulnerabilities that might have existed uh, in the network at the time of the um, uh, of the election. Maricopa County attorney Alistair Adele argued that providing the county's routers, quote, could jeopardize the security of law enforcement data. That echoes the claims made by the sheriff, a Democrat named Paul Penzoni. Yeah, I don't, yeah, this is, yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of really important and vital and uh, damaging information that might be uh, scraped out of these devices. I share their concerns. Logan also claimed, this is what happens, by the way, when nobody trusts anybody else to manage these institutions. That's, that's the core problem. Nobody trusts anybody in these institutions. Um, Logan also claimed that the county did not deliver all the external hard drives that he said contained election uh, definitions, election results, backups, similar data, said that the audit team only got one of them. And uh, the Board of Supervisors chairman, Jack Sellers, um, he said he called on the Senate leaders to stop accusing us of not cooperating when we have given you everything qualified auditors would need to do their job. President Joe Biden won Arizona, as I mentioned earlier, by 10,000 votes out of more than 3.3 million cast. And uh, Trump insists that the election was stolen and he issued a statement saying that Logan, the cyber ninja guy, had found more than 74,000 mail-in ballots where there is no clear record of them being sent, a claim that Maricopa County's Twitter account then addressed in a fact-check thread. Okay, so you've heard this number, the 74,000 mail-in ballots, right? That there were, there's no record of them ever being sent. How is this possible? Maricopa County says that... We allow people to vote early in two ways. You can vote early by mail, and you can vote early in person at polling stations, vote centers. These are all considered to be early voting, early votes. The people who vote in person use ballots provided at a vote center. This is not a new practice, so it's not unusual that we would have more early votes than mail-in ballots sent. In addition... Uh, there's this thing called the EV32 returns and EV33 files. They say 
These are not proper files to refer to for a complete accumulating of all early ballots sent and received. Um, and because that was also mentioned, these uh, EV32 and EV33. Anyway, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole. But point is, the 74,000 um, mail-in ballots, there's no record of them being sent because they weren't. They were cast at the voting centers. And I know that's not going to matter. And by the way, North Carolina has a very similar system uh, as well with like when on election night, when you're where we're all waiting for the uh, for the results to come in, you know, Um, and 730 hits the polls close, hopefully polls close at 730. And then you see this dump and it's it says uh, absentee ballots. Uh, one stop or something like that, but those are the early. That, that's the early voting. They call them uh, one stop absentee by mail or something like that. They they have a name for them. It's not, you know, it's not early voting. They're technically like absentee ballots. So um, that's always a that's always a point of confusion on election night in North Carolina. Now, if you're confused about why your roof is looking pretty bad or why it's starting to leak, after all, you just paid Tommy Tank Top and chuck in a truck to come and they just threw some shingles up there maybe a little duct tape as well and they said they fixed it but for some reason it's still leaking still looks bad or something it's still sliding off the roof uh don't worry call my friends at balkan roofing uh they have a great repair team that basically specializes in fixing all of the mess ups that uh tommy and chuck do so take down the number 628-0390 that's 828-628 0390, or you can go to their website, BalkanRoofing.com, and uh, get them out there. They'll give you a free estimate. Even if it means that, like, you don't need any work done, they're going to tell you that, which is great, you know, peace of mind. But chances are, you know, if it's leaking, you need work done. <laughs> and uh, you probably already know if you need a new roof. Chances are you already know. Do you know how old your roof even is? Call Balkan Roofing. You're going to get top quality. They do financing as well, so you can get a roof for as low as $69 a month. But the, these guys are so good at what they do. They've won repeated awards called the President Award, President's Award. Um, this is an award that is uh, given by the leading roofing shingle manufacturer in North America for quality, for excellence. And Balkan has won it three straight times. GAF is the company. You've probably heard of them. Uh, GAF, they're so proud to be hooked up with the Balkan family for this because the Balkans are great people. They're ethical. They do great work. um, And that's what GAF, they trust them to put their roofs on houses and they warranty that kind of work. Like you don't get that kind of recognition unless you do a great job. So call my friends at Balkan Roofing, 628-0390 or go to BalkanRoofing.com. The lion's share of Republican voters in Arizona believe that the audit of the results in Maricopa County will turn up enough evidence to show that former President Trump was the real winner. That according to a new poll uh, by uh, this is to to OH predictive insights. It's an Arizona public opinion pulse survey. It found 62% of registered Republican voters in Arizona say that the audit will show Mr. Trump beat President Biden in Arizona compared to 2% of Democrats. (laughs) That's pretty amazing, though. 2% of Democrats think that. I thought that was kind of (laughs) high. 2% of Democrats think that the audit is going to overturn the election. 25% of independents believe it as well. 
The survey also found that roughly a quarter of GOP voters believe that Trump will be reinstated to office. That's not going to happen. I, I, I know I'm, I'm terrible at predicting elections. I don't think this counts as an election, though. But there's no path for that to happen. There isn't a path. Um, and the longer it goes, obviously, the more obvious it becomes that, that we just hold another election, right? Um, so, no, I, he's not going to be reinstated to office. There's no protocol or pathway for that to legally occur. Not that I'm aware of, but it is pretty amazing that almost two-thirds of registered Republican voters think that the audit is going to show Trump actually won. We have that. Meanwhile, covered this uh, a little bit uh, about a week or so ago, um, but there's another uh, twist here, which is voter ID. For years, I have been fighting with Democrats and media, but I repeat myself, over voter ID laws, right? They are of the mind that voter ID is racist suppression. The only reason that anybody would want to uh, enact a voter ID law is because they're trying to keep black people from voting because black people don't know how to get IDs or something. Look, that's not my position. I find that position to be kind of racisty, kind of prejudicial. Like you're saying that your, your fellow Americans don't know how to do this very basic thing that you do because why? You have a different skin pigmentation that that makes you better informed or more capable of getting a a a free driver's license or state-issued id anyway not again not my argument that's the left's argument but then all of a sudden they they dropped it because they were trying to get joe manchin the senator from west virginia democrat you know a, a sort of a blue dog democrat like the last blue dog democrat in the senate um they were trying to get him on board to craft some sort of a compromise so they could get their For the People Act, their big, massive, you know, voter takeover or, or election system takeover uh, bill passed. And so he put in there voter ID. And that prompted everybody to be like, wait a minute. I thought Democrats were against voter ID. And then you had these Democrats that were like, I've never been against voter ID. And like, well, we have all these quotes from you being against. Oh, I was just against the Republican bills and the way they did it. It was just those very specific bills, which is, of course, BS. Like, they've opposed every and all forms of voter ID. They're still fighting North Carolina's voter ID law, which is the most liberal and loosest uh, voter ID law that you can construct. That's what we have in North Carolina as a bill and or as a law that's being challenged by the left on this because they say it is voter suppression. But Jim Garrity at National Review, he said uh, perhaps the evidence was mounting that Democrats were expending energy and political capital to prevent measures that created no measurable disadvantage to their party or candidates. Again, they're expending political capital on this in, a, in an attempt to prevent a measure that doesn't create any real disadvantage for them. May 22nd, there was uh, the publication of the Quarterly Journal of Economics, and they had done an extensive study, or they published an extensive study, and here's what it found. U.S. states increasingly require identification to vote an ostensible attempt to deter fraud that prompts complaints of selective disenfranchisement. Using a difference in differences design, which I have no idea what that's about, on a panel data set, I don't know what that is either, with 1.6 billion observations, 
over a 10-year period, we find that the laws have no negative effect on registration or turnout overall or for any group defined by race, gender, age, party affiliation. Overall, our findings suggests that efforts to improve elections may be better directed at other reforms. There's no measurable effect, no negative effect on registration or turnout. What does that mean? For the last decade that we've been arguing over voter ID in North Carolina, one side of that argument has been wrong. And you know which side it it was because there's no media coverage of it. (laughs) Nobody is calling them to account like, hey, you guys have opposed all these voter ID laws all this time. And now it turns out you were wrong the whole time. What do you have to say about that? Nobody, nobody's even asking them these questions. That's the benefit of the big D shield, you know. Um, Last but not least, New York Post. Lustful Olympic athletes should think twice about making the bedrock in Tokyo. The world's best sports competitors are set to spend their nights on cardboard beds. Have you heard this story? <laughs> they made <laughs> in the, uh, what do they call it? The Olympic village, the athletes village where they, uh, all of the athletes go and they stay and they all have the sex all the time. You know, that, that, were you aware that that happens? Yeah. It's like this little secret, not really a secret. All the Olympic athletes, they're all sleeping with each other in the athletes Olympic village. Um, and so because of COVID though, Tokyo is like, can't have all of the fornicating. So they made beds out of cardboard. <laughs> so people can't use them for the relations, which I'm not so sure that's going to work. Seriously. Like they're distributing a cash also of condoms. Um, this year, the tally is 160,000 condoms. They say that's a far cry from the nearly half a million that was doled out for the last Summer Olympics. That was down in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil in 2016. Meanwhile, at least two athletes have already tested positive for the coronavirus at the Tokyo Olympic Village. Another resident of the village uh, was reported as testing uh, positive a day earlier. That is a wrap for the episode. Thanks so much for listening. I appreciate it. Uh, Remember, go to thepetecalendarshow.com. Talk with you later. Don't break anything while I'm gone.